action. Hello and welcome to the first podcast of 2022. This is your average critic and I'm joined by Obi and Chris. So happy new year. I think it's just about acceptable to say that. Mm. Happy new year. Happy new year. Hope you all had good Christmases and New Year's, um, including you listeners. And before I forget, please do follow us on social media. We are on Twitter at YSC Podcast 17 and Instagram as Jeffrey Critics. And you can also leave us a review on Spotify and on any other podcast network that you choose. Uh, so please do leave us a review and help us kind of proliferate our podcast. So five 20, star, 20, please. Five stars. Uh, yeah. 2022 is the year we want to kind of spread even further mm. um so yeah if you can help us out we would be appreciative um so what we're going to do today is talk about a couple of uh new releases both in the cinema and on streaming uh have a look back at 2021 so i'm going to ask you two for your favorite uh film or top three or whatever you've got for uh 2021 and we'll also look towards what's being released in 2022 um first off uh there's a new series on disney plus uh the book of boba fett um although i'm still going to call it boba fett um so this is a spin-off of the mandalorian which is the spin-off of star wars um boba fett appeared in season two of the mandalorian and is also a character from the prequel trilogy uh, normal trilogy so it follows him from the end of season two of The Mandalorian, where he killed Viv Fortuna um, and is now uh, taken over Jabba's old hunting ground. Glenn, I remember that. Yeah. Sorry. Um, before I just sorry to interrupt you. Can I haven't watched all of episode two yet, so just I, I I haven't watched any of episode two. Okay, cool. Sorry. Just wanted to okay. say that. We'll just talk about episode one then. Um, okay. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. So that's fine. I'm glad you told me that. Um, I had kind of just presumed, but yeah. Uh, assume makes a mouth out of you and me. So yeah, episode one, he uh, has assumed it's Mo's, not Mo's Isley, Mo's something else, Mo's death, I think, whatever. Um, <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out. Um, yeah, so he's taken over that, and the first episode is basically we see a few kind of delegations from you know around the town, kind of giving him offerings, uh, uh, including. Um, an envoy from the mayor who doesn't really give him anything and is sort of suggesting that they should be given something. Uh, so he's trying to kind of, you know, establish his authority. We also get flashbacks to um, how he got out of the uh, the pit, um, which he fell into at the end of number episode six. Episode six. Um, thank you. Uh, and then when he got caught by the sand people and and you know things like that so it's only 38 minutes long which was about 15 with credit um and i was very underwhelmed mm. to say the least. uh there wasn't i thought the action was a bit pedestrian um there's a fight scene at the end with um Benic shan as well which was a bit kind of no it wasn't that exciting uh considering it was directed by robert rodriguez who's quite an established hollywood director um, I thought the acting was a kind of wooden. I wasn't too keen on, on the guy who plays Boba Fett. He's um, done quite a few Mandalorian episodes as well, hasn't he? I think. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so overall, it's just a bit underwhelmed. I think the way he gets out of that pit, I was also a bit like, oh, that was like super quick. 
because it's all it's all been this whole kind of thing like how does he get out you know everyone assumed he died and basically all he did was just kind of stab his way out um so yeah overall i was i was underwhelmed um and i thought for the first episode um you're supposed to entice someone in um which they didn't do for me uh, mm. and i kind of left that episode thinking should he have just remained kind of like a side character um but yeah i mean before i talk about generally my feelings on episode two without going into detail what um do you two think of it chris do you want to go first yeah, go for it. Why not? Because I'll be honest with you, I only watched it yesterday and, uh, no, wherever I watched it and I can't really remember much about it anyway, so that's probably, um, uh, yeah, I've, I've, I think I've said this from when they announced it. I don't really care about Boba Fett, Boba Fett, however you want to say it, um, in terms of having his own series. Um, yeah, uh, I, I was intrigued to know how he got out of the stomach. Uh, it was very quick. It almost made you think, how has no one else exited the stomach of this beast before? Um, yeah. <laughs> I then didn't give a shit about what happened to him after. Um, or I would have done if it was more mm, more entertaining, shall I say. It was a bit dry. Um, yeah, and I think the only fight part that I can remember is him, against, him and that dude against that four-legged monster, um, which again... I didn't, I didn't really see, I, it, the whole episode was a bit dry. I, yeah, I agree, like, for a fact that you need to entice people to watch, well, you don't really because it's got such a big fan base, but like, I feel like it didn't do well enough to pull me in to be like, oh yeah, I must watch the next episode. Um, also he's kind of like indicated that he's not gonna go the bounty hunter route if I'm, if I heard correctly in that episode. Um, yeah. But the thing I think I will like about it, and the thing that I think I liked about Star Wars uh, Phantom Menace, it's, I almost feel like it's going to be political, and heavily political, but I could be wrong. Um, that can get a bit dry, but hopefully it's inter- interesting to some degree when they when they divulge into it. But um, yeah, I haven't really got much to say, and it felt longer than 38 minutes, which probably speaks volumes about the episode, in my opinion. So. <laughs> Yeah, don't know. Um, funnily enough, I actually, felt, I actually felt like it felt shorter than 38 minutes, and I kind of wanted to see more than what we got. Um, so yeah, I think I'm a bit more positive than than the pair of you on the first episode. I thought it was fine, um, and I thought the action was pretty decent. Um, it might just be because I like um, so the actress who plays um, Fennec Shan, she's in Agents of Shield, and I think I just like her, so maybe that's why I why I enjoyed it a bit more. Um, but generally, um, I'm same as you guys. Like, I never understood the Boba Fett hype, um, and I feel like till we till he was in season two of the Mandalorian, he had never done anything that was worth the hype that he'd gotten, um, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but I was looking forward to the series because, based on the trailer, it seemed like it was going to be like a like a crime underworld, like a mafia gangster type type of thing, um, which I'm very interested in seeing because obviously, like, it's not we don't always have to see lightsabers and stuff in the in oh it's cool we don't always have to see that in the star wars universe i don't mind them expanding into other genres set in the same world um, i think that's pretty that's pretty cool so i was looking forward to that aspect of it um but i found so generally i think i don't mind him him getting up the pit like the way he did um i thought it was i thought it was fine um i enjoyed uh the 
the kind of like backstory of him with like the group of whatever they were. Um, uh, what are they called? What are they called? Sam people? Not Sam people. Uh, that's what I'm calling them. Yeah, whatever they're called. Um, I enjoyed that backstory and I did think when, um, I did think in the flashback when he was, when the, he saw the, whoever they were, they were like burning down or attacking someone's heart on Tatooine. I think it was Tatooine. Maybe it wasn't Tatooine. I thought, it, I thought that was going to be related to like Luke Skywalker somehow. But I thought wasn't. that as well. Yeah. Um, or at least like Uncle Owen or something like that. Um, but yeah, it wasn't obviously. Um, but generally, uh, yeah, like I say, I think same as you guys, it was fine, but I think some of the acting left a bit to be desired. And it, at times, obviously I, this may have just been the point, but it felt like quite awkward. Like yeah. even the bit with, um, when, like right at the beginning, I think it is when the people are like offering him stuff and like there's just a really like awkward conversation between, uh, Boba and, um, Fennec and they're like, oh, can you understand what he's saying? And, duh, 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 duh. and I was like, this is either poorly written or poorly acted or maybe both. Um, so I didn't really love that and it kind of just and well from the first 10 minutes I've seen of the the second episode of uh of Boba Fett it really seems like Boba doesn't really know what he's doing and I guess maybe maybe that's the point but it feels like he's kind of like people don't respect him and I guess and it's funny because his big tagline in the trailer was like I I intend to lead uh with respect but like no one seems to to respect him kind of thing or or even, or even for, fear him to be honest like even that guy who works for the May was talking bare shit like and he just kind of like felt like I feel like the Boba Fett in the films um, and it was even the Mandalorian it felt like he definitely had an aura about him maybe it's because he didn't see his face but he had an aura about him and he didn't really speak either and there was I think a bit more mysteriousness and because of that fear around the character like he could go off and do anything this this character seemed a lot more, a lot softer, a lot more reasonable, which is not a bad thing, but also um, it doesn't really lend itself at the minute to being like the the daimyo or whatever it is, or the head of the you know the underworld of Tatooine or whichever. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm a bit curious to see whether it's going to go. Yeah, I kind of got that. I thought well, this is supposed to be some like feared bounty hunter, and he just kind of seems like a softy. But um, mm. I also was a the first episode made me think, well, maybe Tamira Morrison's not a great actor or, you mm. know, because people who, you know, are characters like Boba Fett, they don't have much kind of to say or do or acting wise, like when they're the side character. Mm. Um, so I thought maybe it was a step too far, but um, they're called Tuscan Raiders, not the Sam. Tuscan Raiders, that's it. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I'm just going to talk generally about episode two. It's 52 minutes long, I think. Um, yeah. obviously with tons of credits but um it's a lot more or you get more and like more sense of like the crime underworld type thing which you mm. might have seen in the first 10 minutes um and you also get a lot more backstory there's a lot of it is set uh from when he's kind of you know still in the uh capture the uh custody of the tuscan raiders mm. um so i feel like this is very much we're gonna see up to the point where he maybe meets Bando uh, from the past and then we'll kind of maybe it will then thrust through to the future but um, mm. it was a much better episode mm. uh, and I kind of feel like with the timings of the episode if you combined them it would have been an hour and a half and I wonder if they would have been better off releasing the first episode either as a long feature length episode um, 
or both at the same time, like you suggested mm. on our chat, because they do very much feel like continuations of each other. Um, and, and it would have, if that was one episode or you'd seen them both at the same time, it would have endeared me a lot more to the series. So um, we can talk about episode two in more detail uh, next time once you two have seen it. So. Yeah, but I, I'm generally I'm looking forward to to get to watching it. I know um, I feel like. Generally, we've been a bit negative about it, but I think it's going to be a good show. Um, so yeah, I just want to say that, you know. Yeah. Looking forward to Star Wars content on Disney Plus this year because we'll get a few yeah. more, I think, as well. Yeah, we'll get better. Well, we're yeah. getting the Obi Wan series and yeah. Ashoka. Yeah. And or I think. Oh really? And Mandalorian season three. And Mandalorian season three, yeah. So quite a lot of content. Fair enough. That is quite yeah. a lot. The arrival in Marvel for the amount. Um. Okay, well, let's talk about some new releases then. Um, we've actually just, sorry, digress. Bit of film news. Spider-Man No Way Home uh, has crossed a billion, which was the first, I think it did that on Christmas Day, uh, so mm. 10 days or so ago now, the first one to do that since the pandemic started. It's also Sony's highest grossing film ever. Oh, yeah. Which is kind of mad, considering I feel like Sony is a big producer, and the fact that a film that made like 1.3 billion or something is their biggest, considering they have like the James Bond franchise, they've got all the you know the Spider-Man stuff. It just makes me think, oh, maybe they don't, they're not a big hitter as I thought they were. Are they James Bond? I don't know. I feel like they, I feel like Sony do a lot of, I feel like Sony do a lot of like 700 to 800 million, like mm. a lot of those, but they don't necessarily push that barrier that much but I think they do a lot of good numbers but obviously not like astronomical like we've come to expect so, to us Marvel's just kind of like broken the the system I guess in fact that we kind of like if a film hasn't hit a billion then ah oh, must not have been that great kind of thing true but then Warners have done it with DC Harry Potter um Universal I think own Jurassic Park who's mm. being electrocuted I don't know I'm hearing yeah. something it might be me yeah, I'm not sure I can hear it though Someone's on one of those buzzers and they get something wrong. <laughs> they, get, they get shot. Um, but yeah. Well, what's that? Is it all rubbish headlines? I'm gonna let, me, let me mute myself. Might be sure, maybe I'm being electrocuted. I don't know. But anyway, sorry, I digress. Um, yeah, so I feel like for Sony to have only, you know, that to be their biggest hit, I feel like maybe they need or a franchise, which so they're probably pinning their hopes on Spider-Man or their Sony's Marvel Universe characters or whatever they're called. Um, but that's just an aside. New releases. Have we all seen Don't Look Up? Um, I apologise, yeah. I haven't seen it. Sorry. <laughs> but you feel free to talk about it. Okay. Well, um, Chris will talk about it then and, and we'll kind of keep away from spoilers, but uh, it's not with this really um so this is the latest film by adam mckay who's done things such as anchorman uh, more recently vice and the big short um and this film is very much in that that vein more of like a satirical look on um something that's happened within american society so big short was the financial crisis um and like the property kind of you know shorting and all that sort of thing and vice was about dick cheney um so they're very much rooted in reality, but kind of 
I guess from Adam McKay's point of view was using a satirical look to kind of educate in a way people on it although you could argue it's very one-sided kind of politically um Obi, you'll probably be able to tell us more about what side it leans on but i imagine it's taking the piss out of republicans um, yes yeah, it's, de- it's definitely left-leaning <laughs> okay um and, and this one kind of is in the same vein but it's focusing on like a fantastical narrative or something that hasn't yet happened but might so it basically follows two astronomers uh played by leonardo caprio and jennifer lawrence uh jennifer lawrence is a phd student studying under leonardo caprio and she spots this uh comet that is she predicts the trajectory and and it's going to hit earth in six months um and it is you know 100 percent or 99 point whatever percent can hit earth um they're all shitting themselves and they go to the white house uh and they're like hey we need to kind of you know, try and do something to stop this. Um, they're met with a lot of resistance. Um, Meryl Streep plays the pri- uh, Prime Minister, President, um, and she's like, let's call it 70%. Um, uh, and her son, who's also the Chief of Staff, is played by Jonah Hill. He's very kind of sardonic, sarcastic, um, just takes the piss out of Jennifer Lawrence's appearance and kind of, no one really takes him seriously. And then there's, the film, as the film progresses, um, they kind of leak some of it to the press uh, and then they go on daytime TV to talk about it. But they're very much not taken seriously at, throughout. And there's kind of satire of um, tech companies. Mark Rylance plays this kind of tech CEO. I don't know where he's supposed to be, an Elon Musk or a Mark Zuckerberg or whatever. But, you know, he he's like, oh, maybe we can uh, extract some of the minerals from this comet and jobs jobs from the comet and uh the the tv hosts are played by uh, kate blanchett and tyler perry and they're very much like we have to have good news on here so they have like ariana grande on to do a like a talk about her breakup with um her fake boyfriend who's played by kid cuddy um so yeah it's very much like if this was to happen this is probably how certain aspects of american society would react um and the TV show is called The Daily Rip. Uh, and I think there's a shot of the mug which has Rip on it. Um, and in the reflection, it says Lib, which presumably is liberal. I don't know if that relates to Republican or not. But um, yeah, so it's very much in that vein. But it was very... It was, it was, I liked the performances. Um, I thought it was strongly performed throughout. Everyone was clearly having quite a lot of fun it was good to see jonah hill back in in like a comedic role i feel like i haven't seen him for ages um leo jennifer lawrence have quite good chemistry kate blanchett's relishing her um you know her kind of uh i don't know how to describe it but her kind of role on tv show and kind of just being a bit of a horrible person or Mm. superficial i guess is the way to say it so yeah strong performances throughout but i just kind of felt like it was quite it was just quite like unsubtle. It was like this is, you know, just hammering, hammering, kind of the satire, and I was a bit like, <sighs> I've only watched um, thirty minutes of it, but to me, I kind of echo to echo what you're saying. Going, it felt to me like it was a little bit unrealistic, and I know like it's supposed to be exaggerated for the purpose of comedy, but um, I felt like with the other films, 
um, even though they were taking the piss. Like, Adam McKay's other films, even though they were taking the piss, like um, Big Short and Vice, there was still like I felt like an element of reality or realism in it. And um, with this one, it just felt like super exaggerated in a way. Um, I don't know if you agree with that, but yeah, I just I just felt maybe there was a, that he he could have had a bit more nuance. Um, but maybe he thought, you know, sod it. I don't want people to question whether I'm taking the piss out of this section of society or not. Mm. Uh, to be like, I absolutely am. Um, but yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. Um, I just felt that maybe it was a bit heavy handed. Chris, what were your thoughts on it? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I thought it was alright. It was a bit, I thought it was a bit long. Um, and I thought, I thought it was a bit long. I thought some of the jokes they kept reusing and rehashing just become redundant and weren't that funny, i.e. Jennifer Lawrence making the comment about being charged for the food. Um, mm. Might have been funny the first time, but after the fifth time saying it, it became a bit redundant. Um, yeah, the acting was good in it, I guess. Um, a lot of celebs in it. Uh, I think it was very anticlimactic. Uh, I won't say. Uh, I mean, I guess I won't say how they finished it, but I, I didn't. I thought for all that build up and all all that talk and all that conflict, it was just a bit like meh. The ending. Uh, me personally, a lot of the jokes didn't hit with me. I feel like those parts I probably should have laughed, and I didn't because it wasn't. I just didn't find it funny. Um, yeah, but I, but at the same time, I can I can appreciate someone making a joke, and I understand like after I watched it, I understood that like other people probably would really appreciate this and the comedy that they have brought to this. Um, but yeah, I don't really know what much else to say about it because do you think any of the do you think this film has got Oscar potential? Like not maybe win, but nomination or. I mean, I don't know. I, I certainly think... I mean, Meryl Streep will be nominated because she's Meryl Streep. <laughs> I think Leo might be in the nom. Okay. Potentially, uh, I don't know if they'll do Kate Blanchett for supporting. They might do Best Original Bro, really? Play. I don't know. I'm just... I'm positing. What, what do you agree, disagree? When did this come out? I don't think any of them should be nominated for nothing. Boxing, uh, I think. Boxing day. So it can. So is it still eligible for for this for the Oscars coming up? Do you know that's a good point? Because usually the criteria is it has to be released in LA for a certain period. But mm. with COVID and cinemas being shut, I don't know whether they all mm. have that criteria. Say that again, Chris. Does that include Netflix releases as well? Mm-hmm. I know you know. I'm not so other Netflix releases like The Irishman and stuff, they had a short theatrical release to oh, qualify yeah. for the Oscars. But yeah, I, I mean, it wouldn't make sense for them to have that criteria. I mean, I think that's a pretty outdated criteria anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I would be surprised if this wasn't nominated for things um, purely, really? purely because of the people involved in it. I think more of like a heritage thing, you know, rather than like <laughs> it actually being deserving of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <like an idiot. laughs> what? Heritage. Heritage. 
yeah. Um, I think any of them winning is a fucking joke to the whole thing. Because yeah. I did a standout, real standout performance, personally. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I guess Leo and Jennifer were uh, very emotional points of it, but I don't think there's anything to write home about. Uh, I thought, uh, what's his name? Who, uh, who played the the the, uh, the son? Jonah Hill. Oh, his character pissed me off. Um, oh, I love his character. I think that's the point. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I I sat there for eight, I sat there watching it with family, and I was waiting for ages for there to be a point where I was like, "This is funny. This is really good. This was worth the two and a half hours I put into watching this." Or what, however fucking long it was, it felt like ages. Um, yeah. I think I think I think like Adam McKay's last three films, this one included, have a very you like. I get, not niche sense of humour, but they're not as overtly funny as Anchorman and his previous like collaborations with Will Ferrell. This is more like comedy through maybe either knowing what he's taking the piss out of, or just like yeah. the absurdity or the stupidity of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, also I want to shout out Himesh Patel. Um, he plays. Jeez. Yeah. So, oh my my god! Like going from EastEnders to. Tenet last year and now this. He is mm. making gains. So, you know, more power to you, Himesh. Um, from yesterday as well. I don't know if you ever saw that. I didn't. No. It's, it's a good film. But, yeah. um, okay. Well, Obi, what recent releases have you seen, if any? <laughs> um, boy. Oh, you're getting I, your P45 from the podcast, mate. Mate, honestly, yeah, you guys, I deserve it. I really do. I've been <laughs> slack. I haven't been working for the past three weeks, and I've barely seen anything. It's pissing me off. You've today. not been working for the last three weeks? Yeah, I've been, off, I've been off since the 16th. <laughs> okay, well, I want to know what you've been doing, but the podcast is not the forum for that. But <laughs> you need to... I need the number of the person who's distracting you, and I just need to tell them, you know... With pleasure, mate. I'll give you that with pleasure. <laughs> Text it to me now and I'll message them and, and be like, you know, <laughs> my boy needs four to six hours a week. Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad someone did it. It's like when you study for a test, you know, you've got to do your eight hours a week after work. So, so you've not seen... I've not watched much, yeah. I'm oh, Honestly, I've been trying to catch up with the Matrix films. Um, I'm halfway through the third one. It's not very good. Um, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's not very good. Um, I binged Cobra Kai. Um, that's awesome. I love Cobra Kai. It's great. Uh, but yeah, in terms of actual like films, I watched Boxing Day. I don't know. If, did we speak about Boxing Day? No, it didn't have a big release. You, ha- you have watched it, right? or no? I have not watched it. I don't even know what that is. Give us a review of that then. Um, okay, Boxing Day is a rom com. So as far as I'm aware, I could be wrong. I haven't done any research, but um, it's the first uh, rom com starring like pretty much like 90% uh, black cast. Um, it is written and directed by Amir Amin, who played Trife in uh, Kiddohood. You remember that? I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's also in Sensei, which I think you watched, Chris. Um, and it is about a uh, young man who moved from London to America, met a, meets a woman. Um, they're all like lovey-dovey. He proposes to her. Um, he's a writer as well. Um, this woman is pregnant, but she doesn't tell him. Um, and then 
Uh, he gets told to go to London to do a book tour, but he doesn't want to go to London because his family's all there and he kind of like uh, left his family because of an incident that happened on Boxing Day, um, which basically his mum and dad, he was going to he was going to propose to his then girlfriend. Um, but on that same day, uh, his mum and dad announced that they were getting divorced. So that kind of like fucked him up. So then he left everyone and everything and just went fucked off to America. But yeah, they go do book tour. Um, so they have to go back to London. So she, so this woman comes, well, I can't remember what her name was or what his name was, but they go to meet, um, his family. Um, on the way there, basically, the, the fiance, she finds out that, um, his ex-girlfriend is like a huge, uh, uh, musician or singer. And it's played by someone from Little Mix. Can't remember her name. Leanne Pinnock, isn't it? That's the one. From Little Mix. Um, Who's the only person in this film's name I remember is, is um, Georgia Fellaron show. Just kind of was a, a, a really stupid name. But um, uh, so, yeah, she's like just back up with her boyfriend, but also she's not over Melvin. Yes, her name's Melvin. She's not over Melvin yet. Oh, yeah, this uh, film doesn't even have a wiki, mate. Does it not? Well, I'm trying to find it. It's not coming up in the first oh, that's, like. That's mm, okay. Oh, it's, un- it's undertones, mate. Um, Oh no! Here we go. Oh, it does. God, okay. I had to go via the wiki. Boxing Day disambiguation. What? Wow. Anyway, sorry. Um, he's Melvin and she's Lisa. Lisa, that's the one. Yeah, Melvin and Lisa. So yeah, they go to London. Um, they have an awkward bump in with um, with Georgia because um, obviously, like uh, Lisa's like a massive fan of Georgia because she's like well well known, but she didn't know that Melvin was was the ex because Melvin never told her. They butt heads and clash and stuff meanwhile um melvin also has to go back and see his mom and stuff and see his dad and his dad had a his dad had a baby with another woman that's why the mom and dad got divorced so he's kind of like in the back of his head worried that he's going to end up like his dad um what else happens um georgia has to because she's from little mix they gave her like three different opportunities to sing which is fair enough um, so she sang pretty, she's a good singer so you know I didn't mind it um, someone who was sitting next to me complained though but anyway it doesn't matter um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, so yeah they're they're obviously they're um, Lisa's pissed off at Melvin because she didn't tell him about like all the stuff that was going on with Georgia and the ex and blah 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 so then he brings her to the mum's house so they can all like try and bond and they're all there getting drunk and stuff. But then Georgia comes in and she's still, obviously, she wants Melvin back. So her and Lisa get like proper, like uh, competitive in a game of dominoes. And they get like really like aggressive. And um, it all like comes to a head and everyone starts arguing. Duh, 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 duh. And then uh, Lisa, sorry, not Lisa, Georgia and Melvin kiss and Lisa sees it. And then she's like, <gasps> and then um, he tries to apologize. She's like, no, she tries to go back to America and he's like, he has to do, like, do a, like a a grand gesture to try and like win her over. So he like gets like a, I think it's from, is it Love Actually? Where he's got like the cue cards? Is that Love Actually? No? Yes, no. yes that is Love Actually. Is that Love Actually? Yeah. So he tries to do that. Thank you. Yeah. He tries to do that. Um, but, uh, but she does not having it. And like, there's bare people like, um, beeping him in the road. It was really funny. Um, and then what else happens? She basically, Lisa basically realizes that she loves, she loves him and she's willing to like forgive him basically. And he realizes that like, like Lisa's the only one for him. He doesn't have any feelings for Georgia anymore. And Georgia accepts that. And Georgia basically helps him to get her back. 
Um, and mixed in with this, like, there's a lot of, like, there's definitely, like, a Jamaican culture involved in it, like, um, in terms of, like, the food, the food that's presented in it, music, um, what they're drinking, like, how they're talking, obviously, um, stuff like that, because the, mom, the mum's Jamaican, dad's Jamaican, family, friends, aunties and that are Jamaican, apart from a couple, there's one, one uncle. Um, so, yeah, no, it's, a, it's, a, it's an okay film. There's a couple side plots, which I think could have, well, to be honest, there's one side plot with the mum, who's basically, she's now dating a white man, and she was afraid, like, to kind of, like, tell her family. Um, and there was actually quite an interesting line about, um, that mum says about basically growing up, raising kids uh, in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, and raising them to try and be, to be, to love themselves and to be, like, so proud of their, the colour of their skin and who they are, to then say, so then when you do that, um, those people are much more, I say much more likely to then, you know, find people or love people who look like themselves. So for her to then say, oh, I've actually got this, I've, I have found another partner who's white. She said she found it difficult to kind of like, to come out and that because it was like, she kind of felt that maybe it was a kind of like going against like what she had taught them kind of thing. But like then they, it, wasn't it? Yeah, but it's not really. Because it's, but it's not exactly like, is at the end of the day, uh, they kind of sell on the thing. They're like, it doesn't really matter what colour your skin is, like who, whoever you love, you love. Like it's not a... I think they're like, yeah, in, in talking like that, it's like there's a difference between like, love and there's a difference between loving your is it heritage or ancestry yeah exactly so exactly. Yeah, interesting though it's an interesting like point of view i'm sure a lot of people do like feel like that oh yeah absolutely yeah i reckon a lot of, well a lot of people probably do feel like that and there is a uh it's a shame it's a shame in many ways cause obviously probably a lot of people feel a lot of pressure to kind of um you know be with certain people or you know and um it can get a bit a bit techy when you're kind of discussing that with family members and stuff like that. Um, what else? You never truly know how someone's going to react. Because you yeah. can really think someone's going to react really badly, but they actually might take it really well, and then vice versa. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, um, exactly. Um, and then, so that was one of the B-plots. Um, the other B-plot, which was, this plot was so stupid and ridiculous, and I really, it dragged the film down for me. So basically, Melvin's little brother is kind of pining after this girl, I can't remember her name, Alison, I think, this girl called Alison, and he's kind of like, um, basically trying to steal this girl from his cousin, who was broke, who broke up with her, but he's like trying to get her back as well, and they're going up like, back and forth, like fighting each other, and like pranking each other, whatever, to try and get her attention, and get her love, and blah blah blah, blah. and it's just so, it was badly written, it was badly uh, concluded, um, and everything about it was terrible. You could have removed the whole that whole plot from the film. It would have it would have elevated the film because it was a massive waste of time. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. The film in general, I think, is okay. It's fine. It's not amazing. I'm not a super big rom com guy, but I can appreciate them. But I thought it was it was it was all right. Um, I watched it twice, so you know that's probably a bigger compliment than um, than I could pay it. As big a compliment as I could pay it. Um, I think at points. It was not well written, and I think that so Amir, Amir Amin wrote the script, and it felt like so obviously he was in kidulthood, and it felt like he was kind of using that kidulthood two thousand and six slang in two thousand twenty one, and it was like I was like this is not really marrying up here because he's trying to like he was trying to write for younger characters at the time, but he uh-huh. he himself now I think is thirty five thirty six years old. 
And I think maybe he could have done with a bit of help maybe developing that side of it a little bit. Um, that reminds me of the scene in, in adulthood when... Uh, no, it's not... Is it adulthood? Another adulthood, hood. I think you're talking about. Adulthood. What's the, the final one in the series? Um, brotherhood? Brotherhood? Bro- brotherhood. When uh, he comes out of the, the guy's house and I think Stormzy and a few people are standing outside and he goes... Uh, oh, what does he say? I know you're talking. I know exactly what you're talking about. But he says something, and they all start laughing. Like who says yeah. that anymore? Yeah. Like they're like, no one says that anymore, and it's like, oh, yeah. I can't remember what he said. You know. But yeah, and it, but yeah, it was exactly like that, and it was, a, and that was a bit frustrating. And you could tell. I don't know if this is his first time uh, writing or directing, but I think you could tell maybe that he wasn't, it uh, wasn't not exactly seasoned in the in the game, so to speak, just yet. But also, I am encouraged by by this because, like this is like I said earlier, this isn't something that we get a lot of um, in terms of like black British rom coms. And I very much I'm at pro pro films starring black people, black British people that aren't just about crime and gangs and stuff. Those films are entertaining at times, um, but also black people are more than just that. And I would like for films such as this or films or different type of films that's not related to crime to get more uh, more plaudits and more people going to watch them because that's the only way you're going to get more types of this rather than just the same, um, you know, not, not that I didn't like like Blue Story, Killerhood. I love, I, well, I really like those films, but, you know, they only show black people in a certain light and I feel like you need to, you need to move, be able to move away from that stereotype. Yeah, and I think also, like, um, rom-coms can be very, like, they're not, a lot of them are quite generic, but a lot of the comedy comes from like kind of cultural either differences or um, kind of nuances. And I think, you know, I haven't seen Boxing Day, but I would like to. But the fact that it's about like a black British, uh, sorry, Brit- black Caribbean British family, mm. um, there's probably kind of comedy within those dynamics and maybe like, you know, um, kind of differences from like people who are like second or third generation British compared to first or second you know and that's where you can get comedy which you can't get from a you know from a lot of the kind of rom-coms we've seen um and you're talking about kind of other black narratives Reggie Yates did a film called Pirates which I I think is comedy so Mm. yeah it's good more you know more power to it and hopefully uh it kind of Hopefully it does well and, and gets, you know, enough people to view it so that, you know, studios can go, hey, this is yeah. not a risk. Um, but yeah, sorry, I stepped out for a, step out for a sec, but um, yeah. Uh, can you just tell me if you liked it? I didn't quite hear it all. Um, I thought it was fine. Um, oh, okay. I think I was saying, like, it's not, rom-coms aren't necessarily my bag. Um, but for what it was, I thought it was it was good, and I don't know if this was Emilamine's first uh, directed film, or um, but if it was, it's a good first effort, I think. Okay. Um, well, you mentioned you're watching The Matrix. Um, I saw Matrix Resurrections. Um, Can I just say quickly? I'm sorry, sorry. Some of the reactions to this film have like been the funniest I've seen like all year. Like someone on Twitter said, told me. The film was so shit, made them want to scream. <laughs> really? Yeah. But like, people, a lot of people really do not like this film. And I'm not sure why. But continue. So, Well, maybe they're like diehard Matrix maybe. people. But 
I mean, am I the only one that's seen it? Yeah, I've yes. seen it. Okay. Well, I will not go into spoiler details. Um, if you've seen my review on Instagram, um, that hopefully hasn't given you any spoilers. Um, but yeah, so first of all, I'm almost certain you don't need to have seen the second or third Matrix to oh. actually, no, it would help your understanding of this. But sure. you can kind of gather what you know that they they use flashbacks so uh, or footage from the other three films so you kind of be able to orient yourself if you haven't seen them. Um, oh, so it does. So they so because I heard a rumor they were going to literally continue. It was a continuation from the first film. No. No. Okay, that's good then. That's cool. Yeah, it does make reference to the trilogy as a whole. Um, more focused on it's more similarities with the first but if you have seen the second and third you will have a rich understanding of you know things that happen in this film um so this is obvious i think it's like 17 years after the third film matrix revolutions um this film is basically Sorry, I'm going to have to try and think of what I'm saying so I don't ruin anything. Um, if you've seen the trailer, you'll know that uh, Neo, a.k.a. Thomas Anderson, um, is uh, seeing a therapist and basically he has what he thinks are delusions um, and kind of episodes where he thinks that he's not in the real world um, and that his reality is simulation um his therapist played by neil patrick harris is there to sort of be like okay well when you have these episodes you know you need to you know he like rubs his fingers and says well you can feel that so that's real so that can like ground you and then he gives him medication which is a blue pill uh which if you know the franchise then that is what people take to uh kind of keep accepting the matrix as their reality the red pill freeze your mind uh, essentially um, this film is very meta by which I mean it makes quite a lot of references to the Matrix films um, which are, um, are framed as video games in this new version of the Matrix um, so it's not really a spoiler to say that Thomas Anderson is thinks he's a programmer, video game programmer, and he created the Matrix trilogy as a video game. Um, and then basically the film is, is has similar plot elements to the first in that he is sort of questioning his reality. Um, he meets a character called Morpheus, who this time is played by Yaya Abdul-Mateen um, II, um and uh he also meets a character called Tiffany who is played by Carrie Ann Moss who as you all know is Trinity from the original trilogy um and this film also makes quite a lot of reference to the importance of originality um whether that be in movies or video games or stories uh which i found incredibly ironic um considering a lot of this film borrows from 
previous trilogy. Uh, and whilst I enjoyed the film, I think, I mean, it looks, visually, it looks a lot better than the second two, mm. which for some reason look worse than the first. Oh, um, there was one scene in the second one where all the Agent Smiths, the Agent Smiths, yeah. where they're all fighting Keanu Reeves, and it <clears> looks <throat> absolutely horrendous. My God. Like, mm. even for that time, it looked terrible. But, yeah, and so. I don't get it, because the first one was visually quite good for its yeah. time. And it just regressed. Mm. Um, so this one, obviously, with the advancements in VFX, are a, is a lot better. Um, and there's still some decent action in it. Um, decent set pieces. Um, but, I mean, so what it does is it kind of makes you yearn for the first film, um, mm. which I don't think is its intention. Um, because Yaya Abdul-Mateen's version of Morpheus is aware that there was a Lawrence Fishburne Morpheus mm. and Lawrence Fishburne appears in archive footage um, as does another character who is recast for this and I won't say who they are for you know just in case it's not common knowledge um, but the fact that they're including those versions from the archive you're like well why couldn't you get that person for this film mm. the, the, the kind of reasoning for it Makes sense, but it's also like, well, you're making me realise that, you know, Lawrence Fishburne is the is the OG, um, and and that's not to say uh, Abdul Mateen is is not good in this. He is, um, and they do some really cool things with his character. But just sort of think, well, you have still got Keanu and you have still got Carrie Ann Moss, so where's Lawrence? Um, so. I don't necessarily think that this film justifies its existence, mm. um, which is probably the most damning thing I could say about it. It doesn't really continue that much of like, the Matrix. It kind of just rehashes some of the things that happened in the first film. Um, and yeah, just frames it a bit differently. So I'm not really sure why they did it. Um, Money. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, to be honest, um, there is a very meta conversation about that within the film, um, oh. which, again, was like kind of too on the nose. I was too mm. like, ooh, you're really taking me out of the film. Because um, the first, the tr- trilogy was, was never meta. It was kind of confusing, <laughs> um, but it was never like that self-referential. And this one very much is. Mm. Um, to the point where it was border bordering on parody, and I just didn't quite get it. So I enjoyed some aspects of it, uh, but I was kind of like, "Why did this film?" Yeah, doesn't really didn't really need to happen. Um, Based on what you've seen, do you think we'll get another one? Um, there's also a meta conversation about that within the film, um, uh-huh. which is left unanswered. Um, I think this this film could very much be a conclusion. The trilogy. Okay. Hey? It's talks of a trilogy already. Well, but, not the, ne- but not necessarily including Keanu Reeves, apparently. Well, hmm. the producer um, spoke to, I think it was Collider, and said that they very much saw this as could be the end of it, or it, it could they could carry on. They haven't decided yet. Uh, I guess it will come down to money, but to be honest, I don't think it needs to. Not, I mean, not unless they're going to have a vastly kind of 
different plot. Um, I have a question about Matrix in general. I don't know if you got if you see if you guys have any thoughts on it. So, um, sorry, can we finish before I ask my question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so the Matrix was is it written and directed by the Rakowski sisters? All right. Mm-hmm. And yep. they're both so they're both um, transgender. Um, do you think that? So trying to figure out how to word this question. So obviously, the Matrix. Um, you appear as one person in reality, and then the Matrix. You are same person, but different. If you get if you get my drift, do you think that there that was like a symbolism for them, kind of maybe feeling like trapped inside their own bodies at that time when they wrote it? Maybe. Um, um it it could be, and funnily enough, there is a discussion in the film about whether the Matrix is uh, symbolism for trans identity. Okay. Um, but yeah, again, it's kind of said comedically so i think from what i gathered from the conversation i think look it's worth watching this film right mm. it just it sounds is, interesting enough that we can have a good conversation about it, I feel like. it will generate a lot of discussion um not necessarily positively but it's one of those things that i can't really go into more without spoiling it for you and i don't want to spoil it for you because it's mm. worth not knowing too much about it but i think very much from the conversation it was kind of like you can interpret this in whatever way you want it to but i think you know it's easy to see that you know um i think they were uh, i think they were known as um andy and larry when mm. their first one was made um so yeah it could very much be that um but yes um yeah. so watch it but you know it's better than the second two. That's good news. I just don't think it was that necessary. Um, you, think then, you think it's better than Matrix 2 and 3? Yeah, but that's not difficult. Really? You don't like Matrix 2 and 3? No, they're not good films. I think I've only watched half of 3, and I think it's pretty bad. <laughs> 2 is, is passable, I think, but 2 is also very, I think it's very confusing. Uh, I, I'd scream both, but uh, fair enough. Okay. Um, uh, the, well, only, probably have time. Uh, the only issue I have between number one and number two is continuity and the continuity of that. In the first film, they make it sound like there's only ten of them in existence who know the knowledge of the Matrix. And then in the second film, there seems to be tens of thousands of millions of people who are out of the Matrix and living in a... That, that, that to me is the only continuity era. I don't think they're bad films. I think for me, the first one was so good because it was like, is this real life or is this just fantasy? Um, and then the second two were very much like, oh, it's a war from the underground against the overground. And that that was when I was like, eh, less interested um, because it came a bit bit more like saviour complexy um, mm. as opposed to like... The I first guess, one's very saviour complexy though. I guess it is, but it was it was very much like about Neo and you know whether the Matrix is real or or not. And then when it got more like I guess war themed, the machines against the humans, I was a bit I was less interested. So it was a bit terminatory. Mm, yeah, but um, I'm conscious of time, and we don't have you for too long, Obes. So um, I will direct you to my Instagram page for my review of 
uh, sorry, our Instagram page, uh, for my review of The Unforgivable, which is a Sandra Bullock film, which I enjoyed, uh, although it's heavy. Um, and let's go to your favourite film of 2021, if you even remember what came out this year, last year. Oh, I think that's quite easy, personally. It is for me. I have two. I'm going to exclude superhero films because. Oh, you um, are. Okay. Because okay. they're my top two superhero <clears throat> films. And I'd okay. go to 007 personally. Mm. Outside of that. Okay, so 007. But if we were including superhero films, what would be your top two? Hello. Sorry, someone was smashing in the background, so I didn't want to talk and hear like a clanging sound. Uh, my top one would be Spider-Man, and the next one would be Suicide Squad. Okay. Fair Suicide Squad, okay. Interesting, interesting. Well, mine is, is Spider-Man, No Way Home. Um, yeah. You could call it recency bias, you could call it nostalgia. Um, it's certainly not the best made film this year, but it was the one I enjoyed the most. Um, if I was to exclude superhero films... I mean, I'm look. I've just like looking at some on the internet, and I mean, some of them have only recently come out. Um, mm. Tick, tick, boom! Oh, Power of the dog, um, and some I just don't think when it's were in the mainstream cinemas. Pig, um, Green Knight. Pig was, Pig was a good film. Oh, I haven't I'll... seen those. Um, I'm mean to see Green Knight. Yeah. Um, I think. I mean, based on the the scores I gave certain films. Nobody, I gave quite a high score, but would I say that was my best <laughs> favourite? Probably not. I mean, I liked Petit Maman, which was the French film that I saw. Mm. Um, that was a surprising one. Um, I really enjoyed that um, from like a sweet kind of uh, level. Um, I also really enjoyed Vacation Friends, like the comedy that came out on Disney Plus. Um, really? <laughs> I enjoyed it. I mean, there's Fair not enough. been like that many like laugh out loud comedy films recently. I'm not saying it's my favourite. Mm. Um, just kind of shout outs really but yeah I mean probably yeah it, it's going to have to be Spider-Man Obi what, what are yours um, so wait what was your what was yours outside of Spider-Man then Petit Mum okay sorry can't I um, so I kind of like made like a little short list but um, I would say it's prob- my favourite is probably Spider Man. Um just just about. Um but if it were if we're not doing superhero films then mine would have been Judas and the Black Messiah. Was that um, which I forgot generally I forgot that came out this year until I <laughs> until I Googled it. Wow, um, okay. But yeah. No way. Yeah. Wow, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. But that's my uh, um that would be my because I thought the film was fantastic. Um and yeah, especially I mentioned to No Time to Die because I thought that was great as well. Uh, shout out to King Richard as well. I actually enjoyed that a lot more than I thought I would. Yeah, same. Um, does any one pop into your head as the worst film of twenty? Oh, do you know what? Um, uh, Venom. I know you guys didn't didn't love Venom. I mean, didn't hate Venom, but I thought it was terrible. Venom and also Snake Eyes. Oh my god, that film was. Terrible. Oh my god, that film was that. so bad. Oh dear. <laughs> oh, I oh, actually, I really liked Malignant. That was a horror film. Um, oh yeah. But, yeah. Uh, oh yeah, I forgot about Snake. Snake Eyes is so bad. And also, um, Escape Room Tournament of Champions. That oh. was terrible as well. Yeah. Shout out to Reminiscence for being one of the most confusing films. 
uh, <laughs> which didn't fulfil its potential. Um, yeah, God, Escape Room 2 was shit, wasn't it? Oh, Fast yeah. and Furious 54 came out this year. Um, <laughs> um, hit, oh, not, mate, Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. I uh, was fucking rubbish. That was awful. That was so bad. Fire Place Part 2 was decent, but not as good as the first. Godzilla vs. Kong. What kind of shit? CGI fuck best. In the Heights, massively disappointed by that, um, but you liked it. Monster Hunter. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I'm going to try and watch things like Tick, Tick, Boom, um, Passing, and uh, um, what's the other one that's on Netflix? Power of the Dogs. They've got good reviews. Yeah, I want to see um, all of those. Oh, yeah, I see Tick, Tick, Boom, and Power of the Dogs. I don't know what the other one you said was. Passing. It's a uh, film, um, I think it's black and white, but it's about... Uh, um, okay. <laughs> I think it's about uh, um, a, a woman who passes for white even though she is biracial because skin is not as dark as people might expect I think I hope I'm saying that kind of sensitively enough um, but yeah um, let's move on to this year then which is 2022 what are you guys most look forward to that was terrible grammar what are you guys most looking forward to <laughs> <laughs> Start with you, Obi. Um, yes, I will try to to do a top five. So, in this is in no order. So for me, um, the Batman. Really look forward to that. Um, trailer looks really good. Trailer looks great, and I hope that it doesn't disappoint. Because it's. Just... Oh, I watched the latest thing I saw, and I was not that gassed about it. Are you not? Nah. Fair enough. Um. So sorry, yeah, the Batman, Black Adam. Really looking forward to Black Adam just because it's been talked about for so bloody long, and um, I just and I thought the um, the little teaser they did at DC fandom was really cool, and I'm looking forward to seeing the Rock in a superhero role because he's basically been doing that in every other film he's been in for the past ten years. So yep. for him to actually be a proper super or super villain, maybe I don't know, um, would be interesting. Um, the Flash, I'm more looking forward to the Flash because I just want to see how it's gonna. I'm assuming it's gonna reset the DCEU. Um, in some sort of way, because I think they're doing like the Flashpoint or some ver- some variation of Flashpoint. So I'm quite looking forward to that. Um, Creed three, um, because I really like the Creed series. I need to watch the Rocky series as well, actually. And also, I think Michael B. Jordan is directing this one, so I'm just curious to see what that's going to be like. Um, if he can do that justice, then I hope he does. Um, that's four. So my next one, I suppose, I suppose it'd be Doctor Strange: Multiverse of Madness. Are you not that? keen on it then I thought that'd be like first or second on your list um I I am but like I don't know I just something something makes me feel like it's not going to be as mad as I think as I hope it's going to be but maybe it's just me tempering my expectations I'm not sure Um, should they call it Doctor Strange and the Multiverse (laughs) I mean (laughs) <laughs> that would probably be more apt name but like because I think I'm hearing like they're doing like reshoots and stuff I must think like what are they changing and then I heard uh, a... go on, so, so I looked into that a little bit I mean I'm not fucking Sherlock but um, so the reason they're doing reshoots um, they say is because um, they were not allowed to do certain things uh, because of COVID pandemics such as like characters being near to each other so they've sort of just kind of touched up some of those scenes. And also, I think they were like, 
doing some Spider-Man type stuff because they were like, hey, <laughs> everyone really likes Doctor Strange in No Way Home. So, <laughs> um, okay. Well, if that's the case, then I don't mind. But yeah, hopefully, I hope it's, uh, I hope it's, I hope it exceeds my expectations. Mm. Shall I say? Um, and also a special mention to Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, which I didn't know was coming out this year. So, God, I mean, I, all I keep hearing is stuff about um, uh, what's her name? Letitia Wright. Letitia Wright, and how oh, it's not being filmed because she's doing X, Y, Z. And I'm not going to feed into those rumours, but from my understanding was it wasn't even in production at the moment. But yeah. So that one might be pushed back. I think they pushed back Morbius, didn't they? They did. Bit. Yeah, to April. I mean, just cancel the film, mate. Well, the f- people, people are putting out rumours that are saying, oh, it's because they want to add Andrew Garfield to a post credit scene or something like that. Oi, I'm thinking, oi, oi, I'm thinking oi, no, oi, it's probably oi. just to do with COVID. Oi, <laughs> 2024, we need uh, Amazing Spider-Man 3. Uh, but yeah, um, I I will do my next if you don't mind, Chris. Um, time to think. Go for my, it. My first one was going to be Doctor Strange, um, because yeah, I don't know. I've got hype for it, but yeah, I could be bitterly disappointed. Um, I want to also caveat that I don't know a lot about a lot of the films coming out next year. Um, so a lot of it is either based on what I hope they're going to be like, or just kind of general who's part of it um and again this is in no particular order but um martin scorsese's got a film coming out next year called killers of the flower moon and i don't know anything about it other than the fact that it's got leo dicaprio and robert de niro in it um and the fact that both of those separately have had some very good films of martin scorsese the fact that they're teaming up for a scorsese film is kind of like this is the uh infinity war of scorsese uh genre um what's it called again Killers of the Flower Moon, and it's supposedly going to be an Apple Plus uh, original. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he's proper taking the streaming uh, route. Um, to kind of be to offer a different perspective, even though I am very looking forward to the Batman and uh, what the Flash could be. Um, Ari Aster, who's done Hereditary in Midsummer. Um, he's got another film coming out this year, supposedly, called Disappointment Boulevard. Again, I don't know anything about it other than it's going to be a horror film from Ari Aster, and it's going to have Joaquin Phoenix in it. So, that, to me, that's tick, tick, tick. Um, yeah. Um, but, I mean, David Finch has got one coming out called The Killer. Um, yeah, I don't know anything about that, but um, we're getting Avatar 2 this year, supposedly. Oh, wow. I'm not look. I'm, I'm not that I'm looking forward to it, but I'm very curious <laughs> about it. Yeah, same. Uh, same. Um, Spider Man Across the Spider Verse. I'm looking forward to. Mm-hmm. I thought the trailer was really cool. Um, and yeah, obviously, really liked Into the Spider Verse. Um, curious about Morbius, but I don't think it's going to be that good. Jordan Peele's got another horror film coming out this year called Nope. Yeah, um, I'm Daniel Kaluuya, Kiki Palmer, Stephen Young, amongst others. Uh, again, no details about that. That's the thing, there's not much detail about these films. And I know I've said way more than five, and I'm not necessarily looking forward to all of these, but I'm just curious about some of them. Thor, Love and Thunder. Um, there's an Elvis biopic. No, let the rest of us say ours, mate. All right, Chris, you go. Go, Chris. Oh, you're, you're outrageous, mate. Sorry, mate. I'm, I'm, I'm joking. I don't really care. I was just, no, I was only saying it because I was going to say Four Love and Thunder's up there for me. Okay, uh, why? 
let me ask you why. Um, do you like love and you like hero films? I thought I'm actually not that against the fourth franchise. I quite like the last four film. It'll be quite interesting to see where they've gone with their story in the Guardians. So I'll be interested to see if it's going to be a, a good film or a flop because obviously they've got the whole given. Well, I assume they're going to give Natalie Portman the power. Nat, Natalie Portman the power of four, but who knows? Yeah. Do we know if the Guardians are going to be in it? I think I heard a rumor. I have no idea. I'm pretty sure Chris Pratt's been on set. Okay. Probably dropping him off in it. Um, or picking him up. Uh, I'm looking forward to Mission Impossible Seven because mm. uh, I like the rest of the Mission Impossible films. Um, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part One. That should be quite good. Uh, just to be just to be a bit different from you guys, Jackass Forever. Oh yeah. Just want to see how that goes. And I hate Jackoff. <laughs> um, I'm actually quite intrigued to see Fantastic Beasts: The Secret of Dumbledore, but I feel like it's going to be a real miss of a film. So I mean, I they're on the third Grindelwald, so yeah. I I feel like if they if this one doesn't bang, they might have to call it call it quits. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, like I'm intrigued about Black Adam, Doctor Strange, Black Panther, Avatar Two, Aquaman Two. A lot of superhero ones if you're in there. Yeah, superhero films. There's also... Leave the super pets. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, strangest uh, film, um, which I have seen the trailer for, doesn't exactly uh, make it look great, but there's a film coming out of March called Turning Red, which is about a, a oh, little I girl... shit. Who, ...who turns into a red panda. Like, it's a Pixar, so you think it should be good, but it looks terrible. It's terrible, I think, anyway. So... Yeah, strange. Um, there's also, uh, did you see the trailer for Ambulance, which is the worst title, but it's a Michael Bay film starring Jake Gyllenhaal and Yaya Abdul-Mateen II. Um, just a lot of explosions um, and shouting, but yeah. it's okay. <laughs> it's one of the ones where I feel like I've seen the whole film just by watching the trailer. Yeah, I feel like I have as well, um, mm. but I will probably go and see it because it will be dumb fun. Uh, yeah. At least there's not a. At least the ambulance doesn't transform into something, <laughs> as far as we know. Um, and n- no one's talked about Jurassic World Dominion. I don't really give a shit about that. But um, same. I was. Yeah. It's like the original trilogy. The first one was good. The other two were meh. And that sounds like the Matrix then. <laughs> well, what's the matter of opinion? I guess. <laughs> yeah, just, just winding you up. Um, we can maybe get into that another time when you've seen the the Matrix Resurrection. Um, but yeah, any other business, guys? Not for me. Well, we, I've seen Cobra Kai, but we can talk about that another time because is there, is there an end date for that, or is it just going to continue? They announced season five, so I don't know. Long, long way it continued. I need. Actually, no, 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 The thing is that they they're like. The tournament is for people in school, so like, I'm assuming the underage of 18. And a few of these kids are now going to be over the age of 18, so I don't know where they're going to go from it, but yeah. All right, well... You, oh, tell me, what do you need, Obi? No, it's okay, because I'm going to end up speaking out of time and I have to go. <laughs> okay. Well, I think 2022 is going to be a bumpy year. Hopefully cinemas remain open for the most part. Um at least in the UK, it seems like seeds of hope. 
so hopefully wherever you're listening to this is the same. Um, just to reiterate, you can follow us on social media. We're on Twitter as YSC Podcast 17 and Instagram as Your Average Critic. And you can uh, subscribe and review our podcast five stars on um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Please. Please.